Welcome to our sermon. I am Pastor Nathan Escarga, and I am sure that God will speak to you through his word today. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 to 12 says this, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. Now those are such... Uh, Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. In 1 Thessalonians 4.11, it says, Also, you should aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So good morning, church. We know that this is Labor Day weekend, um, and, and obviously... I'm up on stage and you're looking around and you're noticing, okay, Pastor Dave is is away this morning, but no, he is not resting as many do on this weekend. Uh, He is kind of traveling, but but he's not resting. Instead, he is laboring on this Labor Day weekend to help his youngest daughter, Jacqueline, move into her new place as she's being relocated by the military. And so I once again have been given the privilege by Pastor Dave to share a message of what God has set upon my heart to to share with you all. And this morning, I will endeavor to teach a lesson on laboring on this, the Labor Day weekend. And I find that I, strangely at times, am more often than not uh, tasked with speaking on different holidays or occasions, um, such as Christmas, Easter, uh, I've spoken uh, on baptisms. And so I usually look to the theme of the occasion to help me uh, inspire the message thematically. But Labor Day to me, is is a strange holiday for a few reasons. It appears very different than the other holidays that I've spoken on. For instance, nobody wished me a happy Labor Day today, and I took note of that. I did take note of that. In fact, Caitlin and I didn't get any Labor Day cards at all this year. No, we, we don't decorate the house. We don't give Labor Day gifts. In fact, it's a really bizarre holiday when you realize the fact that florists and greeting card manufacturers have not found a way to capitalize on this holiday. Come to think of it, Labor Day is not only a bad uh, day for those industries, but for many corporations who lose out on a day of revenue. And truthfully, it's usually a pretty bad weekend for churches because everyone wants to travel. Which leads me to the second reason that I believe Labor Day is a very peculiar holiday. You see, we call it Labor Day, and we celebrate all the hard work that we do throughout the year by trying to do as little labor as possible. It seems to me that it's a very unsuitable name. Perhaps we should call it No Work Day or or Rest Day. But that's no good because those don't really quite roll off the tongue quite like Labor Day. So what's another catchier name we could use? I've got it. Let's call it Sabbath Day. No, on second thought, perhaps the reason we don't call this annual holiday Sabbath Day is that that name cuts too deep for us North American workaholics who fail to recognize that the Sabbath Day is not an annual event, but it's supposed to be taken every single week. And yet, rather than honoring the command of God to rest every week, we store up all of our God-given weekly vacation days throughout the year, and we place them on the first Monday of September. Surely that's good enough. Except when we begin to realize that Tomorrow's Labor Day isn't even an all-encompassing day for all working people. Labor Day means many different things to many different people. To the factory or the office worker, maybe it is a day off, but 
For policemen who deal with extra traffic and alcohol abuse, it's a tougher day than most. To farmers and ranchers, it's just another day to feed the cattle and to work the fields. To doctors and healthcare professionals, sickness and injury don't take a day off simply because you've worked so hard all year. And for pastors and preachers who only work on Sundays anyways, it's an opportunity for us to talk about work. (laughs) You see, I've come to the conclusion that Labor Day is not a day about work at all. Rather, it is a day to rest after a season of vacation or travel or enjoyment of all the things that summer bring. And this Labor Day weekend stands to reflect upon the work at hand. To rest and prepare yourself for the task of summer being in the rearview mirror for as much as we would like to deny it, and to return to the swing of things. But I want to challenge you today not to look to the Labor Day as a return to normalcy, but instead to demonstrate that labor is something to be celebrated. In fact, it is something to be honored. At least in biblical approximation, according to God's will for mankind, as we read in Scripture, one will quickly recognize that God has intended work as a very important part of his will for people. God has always honored and provided work from the outset of his creation, of the heavens and the earth. God gives us the example of how we ought to work. In Genesis 2.2 it says, and on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. You see, this, this reveals to us that God is a worker himself, and he also appreciates rest. He created us in his image, and he created us uh, with a work to do as well. In Genesis 2.15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Even from the beginning, God was giving man work to do. And he delighted in man working unto the Lord. He even provided man the opportunity to offer up their work as a faith offering to God. Genesis 4.2-5 says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor upon Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. And so Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And of course, when we read this passage, we know what comes next for Cain and Abel. Um, And we understand before uh, Cain takes his revenge, God first tries to restore Cain. We we sometimes glance over, we pass over this this part of the the passage because we know what happens next. And yet, even still, we need to read what God God says to Cain in order to understand his, his ideal vision for his work, his plan to restore him, to remind him that work was not something to be scorned, or to be jealous in what another may do, but each to their lot and to each opportunity to worship God in our work. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. What God is saying in that passage to Cain is that if you do a good work unto the Lord and provide him the first fruits and the best of your labor, you will be blessed. But if you are slothful, deceitful, and you do not work in a way that honors God, you will not find favor with him. But beyond just the creation account, where else does God reveal the value of work to us? 
When Jesus came to earth, God honored work. His birth was first told to whom? Working shepherds. Luke 2.8 tells us this. Now there were some in the country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. It also tells us that Jesus learned trade as a carpenter far before he was the Messiah who would travel the earth, telling the kingdom of heaven at hand. In Mark 6.3, Uh, We see that when Jesus first begins preaching in the synagogues, the people hear him and recognize him, not as the Messiah, but as who? What do they say? They say, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are his sisters not here with us? You see, for many years before Jesus entered into the ministry, he was known as this, a carpenter, who worked with his hands in Joseph's carpenter shop, And this reveals to us that God does not only expect hard work from us, but that he himself has done this same hard labor, and he empathizes and he sympathizes with us in that. How else do we know that God honors work? Well, the first accounted disciples that Jesus chose were working men. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were each fishermen, and they're the first called by Jesus, and I don't think that's by chance. Matthew 4, 18 to 22 says... As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two older brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets And Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus called them from these labors to become fishers of men. What I would like you to recognize from the studies of of Jewish practices in ancient Israel that help us understand scripture, it would be common in Jesus' time for someone like Jesus to call disciples who were educated, men specifically who were familiar with scripture, who had been trained up to do the work of ministry as preachers and Pharisees and so on, they would go to uh, rabbinical school. But Jesus is once again doing things in a way that is very different and very countercultural, both to teach us something about his heart for his followers and also as well to prepare the future leaders who he would entrust all of Christianity to once he departed. The first four disciples listed in Mark were all fishermen, a very humble job in Jesus' day. These men would not be well-read. They were not educated. What we can expect is that if a fisherman were to go to temple in ancient Israel, it would be that they would listen silently. Because even if they were to speak, no one would listen. But Jesus didn't desire anyone excellent. He wanted those who would be faithful. And what did Simon, Peter, and Andrew do when they were called? They left their nets and they followed Jesus. They were faithful. How can we tell that that faith was important to Jesus? Well, let's read about the the other two fishermen in Mark, uh, Simon, Peter, and Andrew. Jesus was simply walking along this beach and saying what? Follow me. Not pressuring, not saying I am the son of God, All he says to them is, follow me. 
Going on from there, he saw those two brothers. They were James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee as they were preparing their nets. Jesus called out to them, and right away, they left their boat and their father, and they followed Jesus. You see, when we read this story, we are not only reading about Jesus, called, or, uh, about, uh, Jesus calling Simon Peter, nor not only reading about Andrew, James, and John, but we're also reading about how Jesus is calling each of us to be his disciples, to become these fishers of people, to be the laborers in his vineyard. We are seeing how God is calling us to be sowing seed into his field, to be eagerly awaiting the season of harvest, to do a great work. You see, we may take the day tomorrow to rest and to prepare ourselves for the return to the seasons of work, but while you do this, recognize this also. That if you would heed your calling, the calling that is set upon your life, you will see that there is a work to be done in his kingdom. And where is this kingdom found? So many have this misconstrued vision of the work that is to be done. They believe that God's vineyard is found within churches on Sunday. And that to find Christ's work that you should look within churches. And while yes, there is much that is uh, done in our ministries and in our churches that influences the kingdom greatly. I believe the misconception that some hold is that they believe that that is where the fields are in churches. At most, churches where those seeds are brought to harvest. No, rather the fields are to be sown, uh, the fields are found at our jobs. They are found within the hearts of your friends and your family, your coworkers, your acquaintances. The work that is being done here in the churches is the, through the word that is shared in the fellowship of saints, we are preparing the laborers to be sent out into the fields, into Christ's vineyards. And as the leadership and pastors of this church have spent much time in prayer and discernment over this past season, there's a belief among us that God is preparing his church for a powerful move of God by, and rev revival by his spirit. If you've been following along for the past number of weeks, you would know that Pastor Dave has been speaking on light and darkness. Today I have felt called to speak on the preparation for the work to be done. And I know that much prayer has been going on uh, for the past number of weeks about what it looks like for a church to move forward boldly by the Spirit of God against the gates of hell, to see souls won for Christ. Now this is something that we have already heard in part, but I believe we are still going to hear uh, Pastor Dave speaking on in the near future. And you may not see the connection between all of these things that I just mentioned, and I believe that that is because there is so much that God is desiring to see done that the only link that we have to connect all of these things is that we have to start moving forward in many ways, many different shapes and forms. That the one thing that each of these things has in common is that if we are faithful to hear, heed the call on, of God on our lives, he is going to press that church forward in many ways without limitations upon what that scope may look like. See, I cannot tell you how excited I personally am for this upcoming season, uh, because even though I know I am personally going to be swamped on a weekly basis, there are so many exciting new ministries uh, that will be taking place in our church. Firstly, you may be wondering what has been happening with the media room. Um, 
It is so nearly done. In fact, it's been sitting nearly finished for, for a season now. Uh, it was put on a brief hiatus uh, for, for the busy summer season and just a little bit before the, the busy uh, summer season. But now that we're hitting Labor Day weekend, we look forward to the work to be finished. This labor of love that that is the media room uh, will soon be finished and we'll see an entirely brand new, new media ministry here at the Lighthouse, including podcasts, multimedia projects, and expansion of what God's reach looks like online. We're pioneering and discovering what the gift of apostleship looks like uh, in our new world today. That when God sent out the, the apostles, he gave them the gift in order to be able to reach new uh, areas. But guess what? The earth has been covered now. The gospel is just about everywhere. And there are still those being given the, the gift of apostleship in, in uh, foreign nations and, and nations where the, the, the gospel is um, still under attack. But I believe largely the new gift of apostleship looks like uh, our word uh, going and reaching people in, in the modern world, in modern media, in many of these different ways. And that's something that's so exciting for me. Additionally, we're planning to resume young adults' conferences to capitalize on the growth of uh, young adults even beyond our own church. We're resuming basketball tournaments, possibly even leagues, and I'll, I'll mention more about that later in the message. I bring all of these things up for a reason. There are many more things, but, but if you believe this list is exhaustive, recognize that these are, are just some of the things that I personally am directly involved in. That list doubles when you recognize that Pastor Dave is involved in many more things, and, and more for Pastor Nathan, and more for our directors, and more for our leadership, and more for people within our own church. Even beyond the four walls of Lighthouse, our pastoral leadership are at the core of the Revive Niagara event that's coming up in a few weeks. I mentioned that already. It's September 16th to 20th, so keep, keep your cal calendars open. That's going to be a very, very cool event. We're going to see a move of God. The intention is that we would see believers unified across the Niagara region and beyond. And I tell you all of these things not as announcements. I mention all of these things intentionally. These aren't just plugs for upcoming events and different things uh, to get involved in, but it's to open your eyes to see the things that God has already begun doing, the things he is preparing for. But more than just hearing these things and, and recognizing that we look forward to to the following Labor Day as we look forward to this great work that is ahead of us, I want you to hear this powerful testimony about God's desire to use each and every single one of us in this upcoming work of the kingdom. In tandem with the annual Revive Niagara event, our pastoral staff have also been, been doing this new thing, uh, a men's ministry. Uh, in the past year, we've seen this started, about seeing men united with a, a purpose to man up and to take accountability and to begin to see how God is going to move in our world. And as we began to see what was taking place with the Man Up Ministries, there was a recognizing that something needed to be happening with the women. At this point, I would say this was a number of months ago, our pastoral staff, made up entirely of men, were unsure what to do. Now let me clarify something. We are in full support at this church of women in ministry. We believe that women are being called to powerful purposes in these, in these last days, according to Joel 2, that each will be used by God's spirit if they are willing. It's just by happenstance that the pastors called in our church are men. 
and we recognize that it is not for us men to plan something that God would do for women. And so we waited for God to put the call upon women to bring forward faithful women who would take up the mantle of operating women's ministry in the church and in the city. Little could we have known that that already within the past year, one of our own young adults, Emma, uh, felt the call of God on her to begin a woman's ministry. And the name that she received for this, yeah, go ahead, absolutely. No, it's awesome. We are so excited. The name that she received for this was called Women Walking Worthy. But not entirely certain of what any of it meant or, or how to see it take place or, or even how it would look, she faithfully brought it to myself and the leadership team at the church that a ministry could be developed from this small call of God on her life that she boiled down to just one name, to just one theme, that God would desire to see women walking worthy. And I'm so glad to tell you that we have a women's ministry under the branch of Revive Niagara. It's formed out of Lighthouse Niagara with Emma Hackney, Julie Spadzinski, Rochelle Spadzinski, all on the team planning uh, this thing that I believe will touch the lives of many women across the Niagara region and hopefully beyond. But this is where the testimony gets really powerful. This is where I think God is just so cool. You see, the leadership team for Revive Niagara, we get together regularly to plan the events and, and the things that go on. And in our most recent meeting, we, we knew that a woman's ministry, we didn't know what a woman's ministry would look like, but we knew it needed to happen. And so in faith, what we did was we just set aside the Friday. We set aside the Friday night as a night for women's ministry, believing in faith that God would bring a team of women uh, forward to be assembled by him to plan it. And in the midst of our planning, we decided on a totally separate matter. We decided that we needed a theme for our weekend. We were not thinking about the women. We were just thinking we need a theme for the weekend. And so we decided we'd use Ephesians 4, 1 to 6 as the theme for the weekend, which largely relates to the unifying of the body under one spirit, one faith, one Lord, and so on. And that was largely at our, at our heart for Revive Niagara to see believers brought together to be brought uh, as one. But let me also read for you Ephesians 4, 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Did you catch it? Yeah. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. This is the exact same verse that Emma had impressed upon her over a year ago about a women's ministry she knew nothing about. And when we decided upon this passage uh, for the weekend, setting a Friday, we, we had no idea what God had already done in advance the work that he was preparing. And so what was unseen faith to us was known to God. I tell you all of this, all of the many different things that, that I will be involved in, that the church are going to be involved in, the expanding, the things that we are doing, and perhaps most importantly for yourselves, I tell you about this still small voice calling Emma forward because God is desiring to use his people for a great work. But he requires one thing, faith. Faith to heed that call, to see your workplace as your mission field, to prepare yourself in spirit and in making yourself available to what God would do in and through you. And if you do that, if you begin to pray and provide your gifts, your talents, or perhaps even being stretched into something you have no idea how God could use it, God will work through it for, 
for a ministry powerfully. Let me tell you, when I first stepped into ministry, I believed about 25% of what I was going to be doing was moving people from house to house. Because in the first, uh, during my internship and in the first month of my employment, I believe we did about three moves. And that was God stretching me to see that being faithful and available to things that we don't always see ourselves doing uh, or, or that we don't see ourselves necessarily being called to, they produce great works for the kingdom because God will call you to those things that will stretch you. But I also had this great far-off dream that I always thought about when I was in Bible college that you know, while I would do pastoral work for a season, I thought it would be unbelievably edifying to one day be involved in new media. And so I, in my human reasoning, thought, of course, well, there's no way I'll do that in a church. Maybe when I'm nearly retired, or, or perhaps as a part-time passion project on the side of whatever ministry job I have at the time, 25 years down the road. And I thought, God, this would be really cool if one day I'm able to be involved in that. So I just, I pray in faith, that you would just take this seed and bring it to fruition one day, way down the road, if you'd like, but if not, that's cool too. And then COVID happened. And during my internship, we were forced to move everything online, and I and our media team had to quickly adapt to this fairly new and unfamiliar mystery of, of what it meant to get the word out online with our church, which was already behind on lighting and cameras and audio and the like. We were in the Stone Ages compared to other churches. And this brought something to Pastor Dave's heart when he began to realize this, that we need to start expanding into new media. And who did he task with that? Me. You see, Psalms 34, 3 to 5 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do it. God knows the desires of our heart because he shaped us. He formed us for these things. And if you are ready and willing and available to do the work, to cultivate it in faith and say, God, I don't know what these words that you've said in my heart about women walking worthy, what it means or what it looks like, but you do. And if you bring me the work, I will do it in faith and in worship unto the Lord. Another that comes to mind is our brother John Raja, who recently told me that for years and years he felt this calling to a ministry in music with the name David's Harp. And he said, I don't know what this David Harp thing looks like, but he believed in faith that one day God would bring it to fruition. But again, I remember it vividly. I met with Pastor Dave and Nathan at a, for, for lunch at a Burger King of all places. Because sometimes we go to lunch and we discuss ministry, but this time... Rochelle, Nathan's wife, also joined us. And she raised that she believed that we needed a ministry taking place for worship and everything that we don't cover on a Sunday morning. But we need someone with gifts and talents to run it. And it was Pastor Dave who said, well, maybe we should ask John Raja. He's got lots of uh, gifts and talents. He's, he's an incredibly talented individual, and he has such a heart and a passion uh, for music and these, these remarkable experiences that I had no idea and he, asked, he said, why don't we ask John Raja? And there was a confirmation of everything that John had in his heart for years and years. There's a confirming in his life. 
And you may think, I don't, I don't necessarily have the talents or the gifts or the experiences to run a uh, multifaceted music ministry. Or, or maybe I don't have the, 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 the gifts or the talents or the desire or the passion to oversee the formation of what this brand new ministry of new media could look like in a brand new expanding world that sounds so challenging and so daunting. Perhaps the, the, the things that you have, you believe they are small. But God says with faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. I'm gonna provide one last example for you. One of our other brothers, Daniel Ramos, and I'm sorry for name dropping so much during this message, but one of the things Pastor Dave had always told me about our brother Daniel before I had even met him is, is that this Daniel, Daniel Ramos, he used to come to youth, he's a soul winner. He's an evangelist with influence and a wide reach in the lives of so, so many. And when I met Daniel, I appreciated his heart and his excitement uh, for what God was calling him to do. But I had no idea that when him and I both felt this uh, call to run a basketball tournament in our church, I had no idea what it would turn into. You see, I thought it would be this small three-on-three basketball tournament with a chance to meet some people, a few young adults, maybe a few youth that we could build a relationship with and invite out to church, and who knows where that takes, uh, where, where, that would, where God would take that. But I also thought maybe it would just be a largely a good opportunity to build camaraderie within our own church congregation. If that's what takes place, then that's good enough. You see, I had no idea what Pastor Dave meant when he called Daniel a soul winner. When he said he was an evangelist, I had no idea just how wide his reach was. You see, he single-handedly, in the span of a few weeks, invited over 50 people to this basketball tournament. Him, him alone, like I invited people, people from our church invited people. Daniel brought 50 guys out. It was crazy. I remember scrambling on the day of, running around with my laptop and my different spreadsheets to try to get that t- tournament organized. But our youth ministry that day jumped from two to four on any given week to 15 overnight. And for what? What was this great ministry that God had for Daniel? Basketball. A children's game where you try to throw a ball through a hoop. And through it, we saw more than 50 people who would never come to a church otherwise in our own church facility. And as a result of this tournament, I firsthand can tell you the many youth in our program who have given their life to Christ, all because Daniel was faithful to use this small passion for a simple children's game, this small amount of faith, size of a mustard seed, to let God move mountains in the lives of others. Amen? So don't, so don't tell me how small your gift is. Tell me how big your God is. I want to close with this. You see, that was Daniel's vineyard. These young athletes who share an enjoyment for a simple children's game, that was his vineyard. And it has seen the kingdom expanded beyond my own original recognition. And now we are looking to plan more of these as a result. Emma's vineyard is women. John's is musicians. What is your vineyard? What is the work God is calling you on to? I know you likely came to church this morning expecting a teaching, but the more I begin to write about God's heart for work, the more I recognize this wouldn't simply be a sermon, it wouldn't simply be a teaching, but a calling, a commissioning. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As, as Jesus departed from this earth, he left the disciples with this, a calling upon their lives to take up his ministry, to take up his work, which he entrusted to fishermen, to tax collectors, to working class men of no rapport. And today he makes this same call to you. Perhaps you're not a working class man, but a working class woman, or perhaps you're a student, or perhaps you are retired. But let me tell you, for each who would call or heed the call of God upon their lives, there is a work for you yet to be done. For each who would drop their nets for fish to go and fish for men, to labor in the fields of people's lives and hearts that only you can reach, to see the dreams that you have for ministry come to fruition, or even to use the most minuscule of gifts, the smallest of talents or passions as a single mustard seed, see what God will do to move the mountains in the lives of others. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.